Hello, everyone. This is Q of the MJ Cast, and this will be episode 92. And today I am going to be joined by good friends Stephen Hodges of Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, MJFFC, and author Paul Dwyer. And we're going to be discussing humanitarian, the real Michael Jackson and our inspirations from Michael. Hope you enjoy this discussion, episode 92 of the MJ Cast. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. I love you! <laughs> I love my fans. Just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Gentlemen, hello from around the world. This is Q. I am in the studio Perth and in Mission Control, we are going to be joined by a very quiet Jamin. He'll be recording this episode, but we probably won't hear much from him today. In my country, over in Australia's finest city, Melbourne, I'd like to introduce everyone to good mate Paulie, Paul Dwyer. How are you? Welcome to the MJ Cast. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me. It's an honour. Oh, well, thank you for putting this book out. What a great time of the year to do it. And it's really given us a terrific reason to get yourself on the show finally and also Stephen live on the show. And we can talk about this wonderful aspect of Michael that is so overlooked, definitely outside of the fan community. So thank you so much for your time in the book. It was a passion of mine to write the book. I did it for the love of it, so you don't have to thank me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all for love, and that's why we all do what we do, and especially, Stephen, that goes for you. You put a lot (laughs) of work into being our charity correspondent, which we very much appreciate, but also you're uh, like the the head. Are you the head of MJFFC? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much, um, yeah, you could say I'm the head. (laughs) <laughs> so that, that surely would take a lot of time and effort and that is such an incredible cause which we really appreciate so and it's great to have you finally on the show live other than yeah. your brilliant uh segments that you send us for our episodes which we also really appreciate no thank you no it's it's a pleasure to be able to contribute certainly so you're dialing in from England, and it's mm-hmm. very early in the morning over there, which we apologise for. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, when the MJ cast calls, you answer the phone. That's oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> 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 well, it was it was yes, a p- polite request, and it was it came together very quickly, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that you guys were able to uh, jump on board for this because it really did come about in just a matter of days. Uh, We did try and line up a few other voices, but because of the short notice, some professors that I was talking to, they were at conferences in Hong Kong and other people had other writing that they were working on with deadlines and they weren't able to sort of close that sort of deadline before recording. 
but we're going to have a, uh, a great discussion today. Yeah, brilliant. Looking forward to it. So I might just do a quick little pass around the table and uh, get you to introduce yourselves officially. Paul, I'm going to head to you first. Uh, All-round great guy, mega fan, and I guess we can say now, like I know you've done music writing in the past, but I'm not sure if this is your first book or not. I think this is your first Michael Jackson book. Newly published author, you've just released a book called humanitarian the real michael jackson paul could you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you became a michael jackson fan cheers mate um thanks for having me um a little bit about myself i've been a michael jackson fan pretty much all my life got to see him live in 96 when he was here for the history tour and i also traveled over to la in 2009 uh, for his memorial i didn't get into the memorial unfortunately but i did go over and spend some time over there retracing his steps and going to neverland and and partying and meeting a lot of fans from around the world and and connecting with them and that was really really special I suppose after I got back from LA, um, I created an Australian-based Michael Jackson Australia website, which documented his visits here. And um, through that, I was doing a lot of research and I found a lot of stuff um, about, uh, you know, the hospitals and orphanages that he visited on almost a daily basis and um, all the charities that he supported. And found myself wondering why it wasn't documented more and out there in the public more and um, why this side to Michael Jackson that seemed to be massive wasn't really uh, well known by the general public and not many people saw this side of him. I thought it was just really weird and I wanted to do something about it. Then came the book. Excellent. And I cannot wait to introduce people to the book and how it came about and what's in it. I've had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, wasn't 22 years ago at the History Tour, which can you believe <laughs> it was? It was this month. I think 22 years ago. Yep. 22. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they were some great days. I, I went to Brisbane and Perth to see Michael and saw him at the hotel and everything. I didn't get to Melbourne, but I think my mate Paul Black did, and I did get to meet you two years ago at Dangerous 25 yes. party that you helped organise. Yes, that was cool. Can you believe that was two years ago? <laughs> no. And, and you know what? It's just like 96. It just seems like those memories are so clearly instilled in my mind. Uh, it's just like it was yesterday. It's yeah, unbelievable. that was a terrific night. We had just the best time and I was so lucky as you would have been to meet such a big group of incredible fans that not only just from Melbourne, but they traveled from interstate and I think also from New Zealand yeah. um, to be there. That was, that was so fun. It was amazing. We had people from Queensland, Sydney, Perth and New Zealand and Melbourne, of course. It was the yeah. first time that I've been in the presence of so many Michael Jackson fans in one room for the same purpose. It was unreal. That would have taken a fair bit of organizing. It did. And you know what? Karen O'Halloran is amazing and she does a lot um, for the MJ community here in Australia and she had a lot to do with it. She got a personalised video from Saida Garrett and um, a lot of – she organised a lot of things. So she's amazing. 
Yes, we have a lot of love for Karen here, and especially uh, I think any fans here in Perth that got to meet Karen when she came uh, over here for her MJ Book Club tour a few years ago. But yeah, she's awesome, and I've got to meet her a few times out of that as well. So absolutely incredible fan that does do a lot. But no, that was a great night that you guys put together. Thank you so much for that. So Steve, hey, how are you going? Early morning over there in England. Thank you for getting up bright and early. It might not be bright yet, but it certainly is early. The stars are certainly bright. I mean, I came out because I'm actually in a studio. It's kind of like an outbuilding and it's at the end of the garden in our house, which we moved into relatively new last year. And um, yeah, short little walk from the house to the, the studio and the stars were out bright and it was it was lovely actually. Well, it wasn't raining, so that was a good thing. It's been raining recently over here. Oh, so, you're lucky. Yeah, dry. <laughs> well, you so you're pretty much out of all of us online, you actually are in a studio. I just pretend I'm at a kitchen table. Well, it's a makeup studio. It's 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 work in progress, let's say that. <laughs> it needs a lot of work. <laughs> it's very and you uh, could- echoey and there's lots of uh, Lego about, but you know, it's shaping into something. At some point, it will be perfectly finished. That (laughs) is awesome. So, like, you work very hard for MJFFC and you act as our Michael Jackson charity correspondent. Can you maybe let people that haven't heard from you before or your introduction early in the season, could you just let people know a little bit about yourself and maybe how you became Michael Jackson fan? Right, well... Again, it goes it goes way like Paulie's story. It goes way back. I mean, I've been a fan for pretty much most of my life. Um, and I, when I was looking back, I mean, I, I had to write an, an about us thing for the website, and I was trying to rack my brain as to exactly what the first memory was. And the problem with the way our family is is that my dad is very much into filming, and he used to film us when we were children, and we used to watch the videos back five, ten years after that. And it's hard to even pinpoint if it's a real memory or something I've just watched on television from a recording. My first memory is of pretty much, not when it came out, but when Michael was doing Motown 25, we did the moonwalk for the first time in public. And um, it kind of started from there, really. We were watching that. Um, We didn't have a kind of fixed carpet in the house. So we were able to actually roll back the carpets, pretty much move the sofas out of the way, roll back the carpets and just have a go at learning how to do the moonwalk. And that's kind of my first memory, you could say, of of getting into the, the Michael fandom. Um, it didn't really take off until probably bad. I think that was that was the height of when I was really into him. Thriller kind of passed passed through when I was quite younger, and uh, obviously I remember the Thriller video and and uh, Billie Jean, the main ones I remember from that. But it pretty much started when Bad hit the record shops and. So that's my earliest memory of Michael and I've helped out at various uh, fan groups. Uh, There's one in the UK called MJ and I, some UK people may remember that back in the day. Um, It was normally a London-based group that used to get together pretty much every year to do some Michael Jackson shows and, you know, there were after parties and, you know, it was all good fun. And I helped out with local fan groups here. They had a sort of, what do you call it? A, 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 I don't know how you pronounce it. It's kind of like a. they allowed fans to start their own local groups. And it basically, 
united fans from all over the country in their little sort of clusters in different areas. And it's good to be involved in that. And we used to meet up now and again, talk about MJ, geek out, just pretty much like we are about MJ today. And that was good fun. So we, we helped out there. That's pretty much the backstory of that. Um, I saw Michael in concert a couple of times. First time was the History Concert in Wembley. And that was, was in my first experience. And I'll never forget that. I've, in fact, when I was looking through some old bits and pieces, I found some old classic printed photos back in the day when we used to get films developed and I managed to locate some photos from that and that was quite interesting so I uploaded those on onto Instagram and got quite a good reaction from fans from those um, and that was good fun and I also saw him at the What More Can I Give concert in Germany and that was organised by MJ and I, the fan group so it was good to get, a, get involved in that and that was the first time I kind of really saw him outside of of the UK concert arena as it were so yeah that was good fun as well so that was the two times that I've seen him live and um, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to actually do that I mean I hear so many of the younger fans now saying oh I wish I could have seen him in concert and you know I, we, I think we just feel so lucky that we did get that opportunity to go you know even once is amazing but to be able to go a couple of times you know I'm very humbled that I got that opportunity to do that. Just coming off you mentioning that you got to see Michael in concert and Paulie as well, and I actually got to see him in 96 on the History Tour as well. I think we all feel so grateful that we got to see Michael Jackson live in concert, like Mm. performing up on stage, doing what he does best. Like we can all agree that that is like magic moments that we're so grateful for and we'll never forget. But I think also we are also equally grateful for being alive and fans in the era of Michael Jackson when he was out there getting awards and, you know, presenting charity checks and visiting hospitals Mm. while on these tours meeting people that had sicknesses and and helping people and families that had been touched by tragedy and disaster. And we got to see that side of Michael as well. And I think we could all agree that was a huge part of why we fell in love with him and, and support him until this day and are sitting around this table now discussing that aspect of Michael. We, we got to see that in action and that was so amazing. And Paul, that would have been, you know, the huge inspiration uh, when you were compiling information together for websites and different things for this book. So Paul, thank you so much for putting this book together. It formed the inspiration behind this episode. It's a topic that we've been wanting to address for a long time specifically we did create the correspondent role for Stephen so we could definitely shine a light regularly on how Michael continues to inspire fans around the world today. So I guess Michael's actions that I spoke about that we were so grateful for witnessing around the world inspired you to put this book together. But tell us specifically the story of how you did come up with the idea of this book and how did you put it together? 
Well, I think it goes back to quite a few years ago when I was putting together my website for Michael Jackson in Australia, which um, documents all his visits to Australia. Um, I was just reading a lot and writing down a lot. And once I put all that information out there about what Michael did when he was in Australia, there was only so much, you know, there was, uh, he had the 70s visit, but then he did the bad tour and the history tour and that was it. And so you could only write a couple of concerts here, a couple of concerts there. And then I found all this other information about visiting the children's hospital here and the other children's hospital in the next state and then the next city and the next city. And I just became really intrigued with that. And I suppose suppose, when you ask any MJ fan what they love about him, some will say his music or his vocal strength. A lot of people say his dancing and his technique there. And a lot of other people say his videos and how far ahead of his time he was. And a lot of other people say his humanitarian work and the amazing things he did there. And for me, that seems to be the first thing that comes to mind when someone says, what did you like about Michael Jackson? Or what do you like about Michael Jackson? Um, The first thing that comes to mind is all the good he did and all the hospitals that he visits and all these kids that he cheered up. And so after making my website for Australia, I just became more interested in that and reading more and writing down so many, so many notes. And there was so much information out there about all these hospitals and charities and, and and that he supported. And I just wondered why none of that was seen on the front pages of any of these papers and they were all sort of hidden on page number 78. And, and I just, I thought it was just really, really unjust. And I'm like, what can I do about this? And I started putting together a website again and I'm like, no, nah, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a lover of the old book. I know there's a lot of e-books out there and everything's digital now. I like picking up a, a nice hardcover book with, a, with nice pictures and, and reading paper. <laughs> so I thought, well, let's, let's give that a go. And the book's not available on e-book or Kindle or anything like that. Um, it's only available in paperback or hardcover. And I wanted to make sure every piece of information that I had there was also backed up with photos. And um, so I found... That was a bit of a struggle, finding photos to match all the visits that he did and charities that he supported. I think I got there, and there's, I think there's a lot of good photos um, that people are going to see in the book that they might not have seen before. Um, as someone who had been researching Michael for many, many years, and even before I was researching him, just watched everything and looked at everything Michael Jackson, there's quite a few uh, pictures and bits of information in there that I think a lot of people haven't seen. And I think the world needs to know this about Michael Jackson. There seems to be this new era of Michael Jackson out in the world in the last couple of years that for some reason wasn't around for a little while. He's pre- there's just this new presence and I feel like it's a new presence. It's not the presence from the late 90s that wasn't always so positive. And, um, and I think there's a lot of good coming up coming out about him now and I just want this to be part of that this side firstly I'm just going to say um I might just tease Jamin a bit in mission control that he won't be able to read this on his tablet or computer because he's not getting an ebook of it and at the same time I'll say I cannot wait to add a paper book to my home library that I have in the back room because <clears throat> I love books like yourself I love 
sitting there reading, turning the page, the the feel of a book in your hand, the smell of a book, yeah. a room full of books smells just amazing. So congrats on doing a physical copy. Do you think maybe in the future you would consider a digital version of this? Yeah, for sure. I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah, Jamin won't just for Jamin. get it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So I also want to ask you, why do you think that this humanitarian side of Michael was so brushed over, so ignored by mainstream media? And it was on page 78 of a newspaper in a tiny little blurb that if you flicking through and there was no picture, you would miss it. I don't know why, but Michael himself spoke about it many, many times and said, you know, the press don't cover it. It doesn't sell magazines. It's not interesting. It's which I totally disagree with. I find it really, really interesting. And I think, you know, the world needs more good news, not just these days. The world's always needed more good news than bad news. And maybe if the media came to the party and, and showed and told more good news than bad news, the world might be a better. Uh, different place and um so i don't know why it was never covered that seems to be a media thing and um i understand they've got they've got a job to do and that's to sell magazines or make people ratings and for some reason they don't seem to think that good news is a rater or a seller and i don't know i disagree that seems to be the general perception out there with them i i think i agree with you that Yes, the media love to use negative news to sell things, but I think they haven't ever opened themselves up to the idea that positive things can sell and influence things. I think that if news was reported differently, so instead of focusing on, you know, devastation and tragedies, maybe they could focus on the survivors and those first responders and those heroes out there that helped recover communities after tragedies and, you know, people that saved people's lives. And yes, that might be their job. That could be a first responder role, but I don't think those people should just be forgotten about and focused on like so-and-so murdered 27 people and now we're going to talk about so-and-so for the whole time and not any of the surviving families or the victims and the contributions that they'd made to the world perhaps and things like that. I think if they did sort of report on the same stories but just turn the lens to face the other way, I really believe, and I think you do as well, that things out there would change. Positivity would spread. There wouldn't be this negativity, which is contagious, but so is positivity. Exactly. And, and you I, know, it's really, really funny. A lot of this, a lot of the media stuff that, that we talk about with Michael Jackson wasn't even twisted or just um, exaggerated. A lot of it was just 100% lies. Mm just made up and that's where I'm like well what can you just have a percentage of the truth in there I don't understand it it's it's one of the biggest injustices of all time when it comes to Michael Jackson and I think most of the uh, Michael Jackson fan family know it I'm so glad that our eyes have been opened by that because I think we all watch the news a little bit differently definitely oh my god those words are so true I think Michael Jackson fans have 
you know, always been very aware of this concept that in the last few years has been labelled as fake news. Like we grew up battling fake news as Michael did because we knew watching what was happening to Michael, they were always reporting absolute lies and complete myths, truths. So I think that's so true that we have actually been seeing things differently to maybe some people that haven't been exposed to that in the past. Yeah, exactly. So let's keep the good news going and and keep spreading this uh, the news of the the real Michael Jackson, the humanitarian. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's it. We love it. That's why we got you on. I know we cop some flack as well for you know people think that we're very controversial and that we like to stir the pot and and make controversy when they think there doesn't need to be. I don't think the MJ cast has been about that ever. We've always been trying to be realists about Michael Jackson and the environment that he existed in and exists in now. And that does include some not so fun things that we have to deal with as fans. And we don't want to sweep them under the carpet and ignore them and forget them because that's how things grow behind you and then you turn around and it's all negative and awful and out of control. We'd like to try and hose fires out. We like to try and do some activism to try and bring attention to things. And I think when we started this podcast, one of the things that we wanted also was to shine a light on amazing aspects of Michael Jackson, including his humanitarianism. Were there any parts in your book that you came across that you were really either shocked or surprised by? Shocked or surprised? No. No, this is the side of Michael Jackson that I was sort of, you know, that I was in love with in the late 80s and that I always knew that was there. And, you know, when I met him and and shook his hand and I just, uh, no, no, I'm not shocked or surprised by any of it at all. I'm shocked and surprised that a lot of people don't know this side to him and, you know, ask questions and say, no, he was this and he was that. Well, no, I can document what he was. How did you end up shaking his hand and, like, meeting Michael for a short time? Um, At the hotel when he was here in 96 in Melbourne. Awesome. um, A few of us slept out the front of his hotel and he would come down um, and shake our hands and say hello and I love you and he'd give give out roses and sign autographs. Late at night after all the press had gone, he'd come down and do all that. And um, As I said, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's one of those memories that will never leave me. Did you feel an energy around Michael? Yep, for sure, definitely. And that's uh, one of the first things I, I remember saying to someone uh, when I told them that I'd met Michael Jackson and when I shook his hand, a physical warmth and he just, I don't know if it's just because I idolised him so much and he was just like this big, I know he wasn't seven foot something, but to me he just appeared to be seven foot and he had a strong handshake and um, a very strong presence that I felt both physically and um, spiritually, I suppose, for sure. I can't explain it, but I think most people that have met him probably can, especially the sick and people that he spent time with to help in that way. And there are a lot of stories about 
sick people that got to meet him in hospitals and and sadly families that um, met Michael through their own children that were very sick at the time and, and later passed that there was an energy from Michael that sort of helped them, helped their kids, helped the sick. Is that sort of some of the stories that you sort of touch on in your book? Yeah, for sure. And actually one of the the girls um, that Michael visited, but she was very sick, oh, I can't remember her name now, um, a little girl that was sick and um, I think she'd been diagnosed with some sort of cancer. Michael visited and the doctors had only given her a couple of months to live and she ended up getting better. And she's now actually um, one of the spokespeople for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And she talks about having hope and, and the strength in hope. And, um, you know, a lot of these kids don't have any hope. They're in and out of hospitals all day and and they're going through tests and chemo and this and that. And, and then there's the other side of it where people are in orphanages where they don't know what a family unit is and they don't know the warmth of a family. And all of a sudden this guy comes in and gives you hope. There is strength in hope. And that's a big part of the message that I seem to be reading about with all the people that whose spirits were uplifted by his visits and people who made these amazing recoveries after his visit. And I know it wasn't all of them, but there was a lot of positive stories about the people's condition, mostly kids' conditions, improving after their spirits being lifted and them discovering this hope and this magic. Uh, there was another one of a shooting at an elementary school um, in the uh, – late 80s and the kids didn't want to go back to school so Michael went over to this school and then sure enough all the kids wanted to go back to school and I mean just something as as simple as that is, is makes a, a massive impact on someone's life. Wow I can't wait to read these stories I, I some of them do sound familiar and I'm sure there's going to be like a lot that I will learn when I go through this book. Were there some Stories from Michael visiting places in Australia that you can remember from the top of your head that you'd like to share? Um, there is a couple, um, both in Melbourne and Sydney and in Brisbane, that don't really stand out in my memory. I remember writing about it. It was the usual, you know what, and these visits to hospitals and orphanages were, were on a daily basis or an almost daily basis. And I'm pretty sure I didn't do a count but I would be pretty willing to say that I'm pretty sure he visited more hospitals and orphanages than he did concerts and arenas. So there's a lot of them. I think that would be a pretty accurate count. Yep. Yeah. I'm lucky uh, a listener to the show, Julie. Hello, Julie, here in Perth. She got to meet Michael, yes. and I think that was through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That was 22 years ago this week, um, yes. and I was – at the hotel arrival in Perth over at Scarborough Beach. And I actually saw Julie up on the steps and got to meet Michael and they hugged. So, and now years later, we're friends and we catch up, you know, a few times a year. We have our little birthday charity lunch get together that Michael inspired. And who, who would have known that all those years of me seeing Julie on the steps and then on the news that night in the newspapers meeting Michael from her recovering from her sickness back then and meeting him through the Make-A-Wish Foundation that we're, you know, MJ mates now. 
Yeah, isn't that amazing? And I've found that myself, that uh, 22 years, you know, back in 96 when Michael Jackson was here uh, last, I slept out the front of his hotel for four, four or five days and um, I met so many cool people. But back then we didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have social media. So after that week I went back home and I never saw any of these people again. But now, funnily enough, 22 years later or, you know, a few years ago maybe begun, I started catching up with these people and meeting people and talking to people in the MJ community. And all of a sudden I found people that were there that night sleeping on the same concrete barrier as what I was and, and people that were watching the same thing and, you know, like you and Julie and all these people that we've reconnected with. And it's awesome. I love it. A lot of quality people out there in the MJ fam, I must say. So true, so true. Someone that I had hoped might have been able to join us today but is unable to due to work commitments is a MJ mate here in Perth that I met at um, in the studio with MJ Brad Sundberg seminar and he – and we will get him on the show at some point, definitely. Um, he is a plastic surgeon and he has entered that field – to help, you know, people reconstruct after cancer and surgeries. He's entered that field directly inspired by Michael Jackson. That's amazing. And that is amazing. So, Dr. Raj, uh, with thank you for what you do. I know you've just done a uh, mission overseas and been helping um, children in need in another country for a few weeks, and I can't wait to hear about that when we catch up next. But just stories like that, uh, people being so inspired by Michael and and those stories of him visiting hospitals and, and helping families that have been affected by, you know, disease or violence, you know, they were so underreported that there would be so many of those stories that we wouldn't hear about. And there might even be visits to places, um, community centres that we don't really know much about at all. Through your research, did you sort of form a picture of what Michael's typical daily schedule was on tour? Like when would he wake? When would he do his hospital visits during the day and go to the show at night? Could you sort of form a picture of how he toured? I guess it's quite different to how other artists tour the world. He, he was doing this other stuff that we didn't really know much about. Yeah, and I suppose I didn't really pick up much on any sort of itinerary. You know, there's lots of flights that I didn't look into times and days of flights and, and, and hotels and stuff. I was more just focusing on the hospitals and orphanages and, you know, charity appearances. And I think we've got to remember someone like this, uh, Michael Jackson, charges I don't know how many millions of dollars for an hour of his time. He could. But then he's going into these hospitals for three, four hours. So it's not only lifting spirits and helping kids. He's sacrificing, you know, a couple of million dollars every day just by wanting to do this. It's... um. Phenomenal. And I don't know that anybody else in the entertainment industry does that. And he also used to appear at these hospitals or, or centres with basically truckload of toys. Yeah, very much. 
much so, or go to the toy store an hour before a, uh, visiting a hospital and himself walk around and pick out all the toys. Um, he, he, you know, and while he was in one hospital, he was also dropping a stock of um, food from a, an aeroplane over Sarajevo or, you know, there was always so many things going on at the same time. How he pulled it all off, I do not know. Uh, one thing that sticks with me is um, an interview I saw with Frank DeLeo and he said that before starting the Dangerous concert, actually, he said, our job is to go out there and help people and visit hospitals. That's what we're doing. The concerts are just a little thing on the side, but what we're actually doing is going around and healing the world and that's what that's what he was doing. Oh, that's awesome. I respect the secrets and magic of nature. That's why it makes me so angry when I see these things that are happening, you know. But every second I hear the size of a football field is torn down in the Amazon. I mean, that kind of stuff really bothers me. That's why I write these kind of songs, you know, and give some sense of awareness and awakening and hope to people. I love, I love the planet. I love trees. I have this thing for trees and, and the colors and changing of leaves. I love it. What about sunrise? What about rain? What about all the things that you said we were to gain? What about killing fields? Is there a time? What about you said it was yours and mine Did you ever start to notice All the love we shared before Did you ever stop to notice This crying nervous moving short Look what we've done What about all the peace That you pledged your only son What about flowering fields Is there a time What about all the dreams That you said was yours and mine Did you ever stop to notice All the children did
Hi, I'm John Barnes, producer, writer, musician, and arranger with Michael Jackson. Make sure you pay attention to the MJ cast. It's great. Stephen, have you got any questions you'd like to ask Mr. Dwyer about yeah. his book? Well, first of all, hello, Paul. G'day, mate. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for your story. I mean, it's it's great to sort of hear, you know, what other fans are doing as well and documenting all of these things. I mean, it's there's so many things. I mean, when I was looking at stuff for our own bits and pieces, we started to think about putting what Michael had been doing on our site as well to just, you know, outline to fans how much was being done. And I wondered if you, if you had a tally on how many times, you know, how many hits you had as it were of a, of a visitation of him going to a hospital or a children's home and whatnot, how many you actually found. Cause when we were looking online, we, we were going to put some on our site, but, and I was going to format it. But when I looked at the list, there were, I counted at least 167 entries of dates where he had visited a hospital or donated money or, you know, that kind of thing. I just wondered if you had an idea roughly of how many times, you know, he, he did do things. I mean, you said that you think it was more than the amount of actual concerts he did, but do you have any idea of, you know, a rough figure? I don't have any idea. No, look, I think there's 130-something pages in the book and each page has at least two or three, I think, occasions where he's made some sort of humanitarian effort. So, no, and and I did see quite a few blogs um, with different statistics, but every different one that I looked at had different statistics and it was Mm. very hard putting that all together. But that would be interesting. I might work on that. (laughs) What sort of date, also, what date does it go up to? in your book i mean we kind of got to 2004 april 2004 uh, and then it kind of fizzled out a little bit do you have on from that yeah but look the last date that's on uh, was june 6th on 2009 where michael lent his uh the rights to heal the world i think it was to a group of uh, young entertainers i think that was for the james bolger actually appeal that sounds um, like it was actually so that was in june 2009 so was that, that was more recent? No, oh, no, that was, yes, that was in 2009. But why, that's not recent, is it? <laughs> 2009. <laughs> yeah, I think it was around that sort of time because I remember when I was involved in certain bits for that because what we were trying to do at the time is when Michael passed, there was a thing about that single and there was an effort to try and get it to number one. And I'm, I'm not sure how far we got in the end, but um, it was certainly something close to Michael's heart because it was a story, a tragic story, which we won't really go into here, but it deeply affected Michael and he apparently let the family have the rights to the Heal the World song to to make a cover and release it as a charity single. That's the main one I remember from all of his, you know, visits and that that he's done and, you know, things he's reached out to people for. That's the one that sticks into my mind the most. Maybe it's because it was the main one from the UK that he was involved in and that's probably why I, why I actually heard about it myself so I think there was one entry after uh, that one of June 2009 and that was just talking about um, in Michael's will um, he directed for a certain percentage of any royalties from ongoing yeah. profits to be directed to so many charities so and they're still going to this day so yeah no that's it I mean there's just so many things and I feel like 
it's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I don't know how far and how deep you managed to get into it, but it's probably just brushed the surface. <laughs> yeah, that. yep, I dare say. And especially because, you know, a lot of the stuff wasn't, it, there was no um, publicists around and it wasn't no. something that he said, oh, let's get the, you know, the TV crews around to do this. And I think that the majority of it really was done privately. And that's one thing I wanted to make clear in my book was that I'm not trying to be a private investigator. I'm not trying to dig and, and find the unknowns of Michael Jackson or anything like that. I just wanted to show the parts that were pretty much already out there on the, the great internet these days um, with a little bit of research. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I think it only touches the, the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot more out there that maybe no one apart from, you know, the persons involved um, will know about. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of it because um, when I was trying to find a quote, I remembered a quote that you said and it was from an interview. I don't know if you might remember it. Maybe Q or Jay remember it at some point. But um, he said something on the lines of if you do a good deed and you tell everyone about it, then it kind of, ruins the whole point of what you're doing you know and I think a lot of that came across in the stuff that he did he didn't necessarily invite the cameras along obviously he was kind of stuck with them following them everywhere but he didn't necessarily go overboard to have that you know happen you know he just wanted to do what he needed to do and if they were there then okay they were there and if they're not then brilliant he got a bit of time you know on his own to do what he normally does yeah and I think uh, a degree of it is also bringing awareness to, to certain things. So there's a need to bring the cameras and to bring, you know, mm. as much of the media if they're going to cover anything. Mm. A lot of it is about bringing awareness, which raises funds and, you know, which helps research and yada, yada. So I think there is a degree of that that's needed as well. But I think a lot of it was done quite privately. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff is very much the tip of the iceberg with this because Michael didn't really go to any great efforts to really want the press to be there you know there's going to be so many things that none of us know about it may be even years to come that it will start coming out fans will start remembering or being in a situation where they can actually tell people what happened or even being old enough I mean because he visited so many children in hospitals they were obviously children back then and now they're going to be grown adults you know it'd be great to start hearing stories coming out from them now all grown up uh, and if you know their meeting with him helped them through what they were going through at the time which I'm sure <laughs> in many cases it did you know I think it would be really interesting over the coming years to start hearing more about that I think definitely. I think something that I thought of when I was watching and reading some of the speeches that Michael was talking about is that he did place so much emphasis on the children and how the children are the ones that will bring about change and bring about Mm. peace and uh, equality and and end many of the issues. And we now, the, the fans that were listening to that, we are those children that are trying to do that. That's something that hadn't really dawned on me until just very recently. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's definitely, definitely the case. We're kind of, we're growing up, we're adults now, we're kind of in better positions financially, you know, stability, family-wise, you know, all that sort of thing. You know, we're, we're kind of in the position now where we can 
reflect back and go, okay, that's got me, that's why I'm doing the things I'm doing today is because of all of that that's built up to it. And I think the same could be said for the children. I mean, when he visited the children, they were affected by it. Obviously, their their whole, I don't know much about all the, the brain psychology of those sort of things when children are children, but obviously everything they're learning from birth right through the teenage years, everything that happens to them is, is shaping their views on the world, you know, and to be able to have, you know, Michael touch their lives by getting them through any situation that you did in, back in the day, you know, that's going to affect them later on in life. And I'm not saying, you know, well, I mean, Paul met him. I mean, I don't know if that has a, an effect where, you know, if he hadn't have met him, would he still be doing the charity side of the stuff that he's doing? I mean, even myself, I mean, if I had never obviously heard of Michael Jackson, would I be doing what I'm doing today? You know, it's all those sort of questions you start asking yourself, you know, deep down, it's probably affected us a lot and we all do our things in our own ways and, you know, you never really know how things are going to pan out until you start doing them and getting into it all. I might jump over to you then shortly to talk about what you are doing and about MJFFC. But before I do, I don't know if I, I don't think I had asked earlier, Paul, where can people order the book from? Oh, okie dokie. Yes. So the book can be ordered from humanitarianbook.com. Um, that's, there's two versions of the book. They've both got all the same information in them. Uh, one's a smaller uh, paperback budget sort of version at 19.95. There's also a deluxe edition, which is a 6 by 9 hardcover. It's just got uh, premium gloss pages uh, internally, so the, pay, the pictures, because there are a lot of pictures in there, are just a lot brighter and, and bigger and beautiful, and some of them are really, really nice. Humanitarianbook.com. So, Paul, I'm looking at the website now and I see at the checkout there is a little box there that people can apply a promo code for. Yes. So, up until Christmas, if you want to enter the promo code MJCAST, you'll get 10% off your price. Excellent. Wow. That's very generous. So, up until Christmas 2018, people, enter MJCAST. J-C-A-S-T. And thank you, Paul, for that discount. And I hope that, you know, maybe some people that might not have been able to afford it later, maybe this will bring it to their price range and, and get it out there. Because I think that the more that people get this book and this message gets spread, I think that will also have a positive effect out there. Thank you. Cool. I have to admit right now, I'm not a massive book reader. I have so many Michael Jackson books and I kind of, I don't think I've ever... Well, Moonwalk. Moonwalk's the only one that I force myself, obviously because of the Moonwalk Halls thing, to actually read from start to finish. And I think I got halfway. I'm not a massive reader of books. <laughs> that sounds really bad. Not really. I know, I know, you, I know people that are the, the same. And I find it hard now to have the time to read books as much as I want. Like I'm continually buying them and my to-read pile is ever-growing and I only get through a handful a year, whereas when I was younger and had a lot more time, I would get through triple that sort of thing. It's so hand, It's a handful more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, there's pictures, and, and you, you can just sit down and flick through oh, the pictures. Of pictures. <laughs> oh, if there's pictures, that's brilliant. That's the deluxe version. I'll get the deluxe version and just look at the picture. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Hi, my name is Shanika Silva, and I'm the project director for Hope for the Nepalese. 
This year marks the 30th anniversary of Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie's song, We Are The World, which has a long tradition of inspiring hope and bringing people together to help others. We hope to bring our own personal touch to this song and help the survivors of the Nepal earthquake. This beautiful mountain nation was thrown into disarray after the earthquake struck, leaving many dead, injured, or homeless. Today, we have a group of youth singers from all different walks of life here to use their voices to help these families and raise awareness that the struggle to rebuild this nation will be long and it's only just begun. Please enjoy our rendition of We Are The World with its slight Asian flavor and remember that any amount can help these families and help rebuild this country.
Hi, this is Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat, drummer for Michael Jackson and the Jacksons, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Stephen, so you were sort of segueing a little bit before into this area that I want to ask about, and and obviously we're very grateful for how well you do as our charity correspondent, and we get to mm-hmm. share with our listeners so much news. We've been looking for the best fit and avenue to showcase that important aspect of Michael's ongoing legacy for a while. And we are just thrilled of how you've embraced that challenge so enthusiastically. But you. could you like give listeners a little brief history on MJFFC, Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, and how it all came to be? <clears throat> okay. Thanks again for inviting me on. It's, it's great to be here to be able to sort of talk about the charity stuff for Michael and obviously the stuff I'm, I'm involved in as well. Um, yeah, with Paul's story, I mean, his he was kind of affected during the early days of all of it. I mean, when, when I was growing up with Michael's music, it was just the music and the dance that I was into. The charity side was completely off my radar. Um, and in fact, I don't even remember thinking about it at all. I mean, I I didn't really hear about the Heal the World Foundation or any of that work, the Heal the Kids stuff, any of that, until much later on in, in my sort of journey, my Michael Pan journey, as it were. It was pretty much all happening when obviously he died. And that's when I started looking into things more and sort of getting a much better picture of who he was and what he was about. I mean, with all the music and the videos and the dance, you know, that was all done. It was all out there. You know, you can rewatch it as many times as you want. And obviously I was affected by things like the Heal the World songs, you know, the Earth Song, which is my favourite song, and all the other humanitarian songs that he did, even through like the Jacksons era. You know, he was still involved in those kind of theme songs. So those were probably kind of poking me without me even knowing at the time. And then obviously, obviously when he died, that's when it all sort of kicked off and like a part of me switched into charity mode almost and um that's kind of how it all started i remember i was looking over some previous emails because i'm i'm useless at remembering the simple details and i was going through my emails and the good thing about like gmail for example i was able to find some so many old emails from back in 2009 and i was going through there was hundreds of around that sort of time when he died and it was the one that stuck out to me was one five days after he died. So it would have been towards the end of June. And I sent an email to obviously the Heal the World Foundation at the time. Obviously, it was a different foundation. It was all a bit problematic. But I sent them an email to try and help them out because I just felt I had to get involved in something. I had to do something, you know, to help. And I just thought it can't, it surely hasn't just ended on June 25th, 2009, something was saying to me, you know, this is going to go on and something big's going to happen sort of thing. Something, the momentum has to keep going. So I reached out to them to see if I could help in any way. And obviously we know now that they weren't the original Hildewell Foundation that Michael was involved in back then, but I was helping them with the social, online social stuff and encouraging fans to sort of get involved in charity, the charity side of things. It kind of fizzled out when, obviously, the, the court case was happening with the MJ estate, with the charity and all that. That was obviously a time when I thought, all right, I'm going to take a step back and look into other ways I can possibly help. And then that evolved into, 
pretty much launching fundraising pages on sites like Just Giving. I don't know if you've heard of those kind of sites where you basically can set up fundraisers. Um, you choose a, a charity that you want to fundraise for. Um, you post it out there and you get people sort of contributing it and raising the funds. And you have a target. And I was involved in those kind of things. And I had the various themed fundraising pages, animals, children, you know, focusing on a certain charity theme. And they didn't get a massive amount of donations. I mean, there was quite a few that I set up and they kind of drizzled in $10 up to $50 and it kind of all sort of bit around that. But then I thought it's probably time to do my own thing myself. And as a, a bit of a backstory as to what I do, I'm actually a web designer and I've been doing that since uh, pretty much 2000. I've been with a the same company that I'm with now. So for the last 18 or so years, I've been doing web design and logos and branding and that kind of thing. And that's kind of what enabled me to be able to do my own site and to get a, my own charity aspect set up. And that was around September 2011, and mainly through word of mouth, friends connected online, MJ fan friends, new fans met online through Facebook. And because it was really only Facebook, I think back then that all of this sort of stuff was done with. And so in September 2011, we started our own way that fans could give to charity, but through us as a group. It was one of those things where you obviously fans do their own thing individually, and that's great. They can go and go, oh, I want to donate to uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation because I'm a fan of Michael Jackson. I think that'd be a good idea. But there was, it's one of those things where it doesn't really unite people together to be able to give as a group. And it wasn't always... As simple as I've managed to get it now, I mean, it's taken how many years have we been doing this? Eight years, I think now, seven years, I think it is. It's taken that long to get it to a point where I'm fully happy and the, the system is ready to pretty much go, go, go. And it, it enables fans to now go to the site through three clicks, pretty much give one pound a month into a charity pot. That charity pot is gathered and built up on throughout the month and obviously we're coming to the end of November now so that charity pot's been building up throughout November we're on $272 at the moment um, we have uh, 50 just over 50 fans giving monthly and some give the pound which is great and that's what it's all about you know the idea is a completely affordable charity system for every single fan wherever they may be um, to be able to actually contribute to the pot they can can I just ask a can I just yeah, ask a ahead, quick question about that? Because I love that that one unit of currency. So, like for you, one pound. For us, one dollar. You know, America, one dollar. In Europe, mm. one euro. So that tiny little amount of currency uh, for the monthly giving project is such a simple and mm. helpful, you know, microfunding concept, and. Mm but it builds up and it does make a, a difference monthly. So yeah. you've got it so easy now that you can really just contribute by doing that and it happens automatically each month. Of course, you know, instead of maybe $1 or $1, Euro, you could make it 2 or 3 or 10 if you if yeah. you were so lucky. We, we have fans giving 50 Wow. We have some, and that's how, I mean, you look at the total, I mean, last month's total for October for the Disaster Emergency Committee, that was for the um, Indonesian Earthquake Relief. Yeah. And that was 
British pounds, which was $350, but we've only got 50 members. So obviously that's not 50 pounds, <laughs> that's 266 pounds. So, yeah. you know, the idea is one is the minimum and everything's, you know, do that. You can start whenever, end whenever, you know, there's no contract, obviously, <laughs> you know, you can cancel it anytime it's done by PayPal. So you can just go on to PayPal and cancel it or increase it or add another one or, you know, whatever you want to do. And that basically adds to that. So, you know, on the, on the face of it, it, there's a the angle you could take, which is there's only 50 people, that's only 50 pounds or a month, but it actually ends up being quite a lot more when people decided to, to give that little bit extra. And also like one-off donations. They're yeah. also super easy for people to contribute. And like, it's a great place for local MJ fan groups to contribute with fundraising, like yeah. for the earthquake fundraiser last month when we finally got to our birthday charity group lunch in Perth, you know, that's where one of the charities that we sent the donation to as a, as a one-off donation. So, mm. you know, people can also just do a one-off thing if they've done some fundraising in a local group. That's right. And, and the one-off donations, you know, it, it's so hard to find a monthly donation processor that doesn't charge. And PayPal, obviously the PayPal fees come out of the, the one pound that people give a month. And we've got that down as low as possible as well. We've, we've managed to do the, I don't know if you know much about PayPal, but normally PayPal charge 3.4% and 20p. And obviously that's a lot on one pound. So if you're taking a pound and then you're immediately taking off 20p, you know, that's quite a lot of a difference. The charity rates for the uh, PayPal bits and pieces are 1.4% plus 20p, but it's still the 20p that's coming off. And it was only, I don't know if it's a new thing by them, but only recently in the last six months discovered that they also offered a 5% plus 5p. And obviously for one pound donations, it's a much better transaction fee to have. So for the PayPal monthly donations, it's 5% plus 5p that comes off of theirs. And that obviously goes to PayPal to process the monthly recurring uh, donation and 100% of the rest goes into the charity pot which eventually gets given um, but the beauty of the one-off donations is that there's no fees whatsoever um, PayPal offer a PayPal giving fund system and what that is is basically the charity signs up to their system and they're able to actually receive donations where 100% so they've waived all of the transaction fees and 100% of the, the money goes to the charity that's part of that so if people didn't want to actually commit to the one pound or more per month, they can easily make a one-off donation like you guys did for your, your fundraiser that you did. The only problem with those ones is that normally they there's a delay in the one-off donations. So obviously if we're told that the, the fan wants that to go to a certain fundraiser, so say it's the end of the month, like now, for example, we're almost at the end of our fundraiser for Charity Mind, which is for the uh, mental health charity. If they give a one-off donation now all they need to do is let us know that it's for that and then we can wait until that's cleared and then put it onto that donation and then donate to that charity once all the all the money's tallied and totaled up so awesome. you know there are, there are various ways to to give through it and it's it's so complicated to make it so easy you know it's one of those things it's taken this amount of time to just simplify it and I every now and again I go there and I go right let's take that off let's make that easier let's tweak that you know, every week the page looks slightly different to try and improve it to just make it so easy for, to fans to just go click the make the change button and pretty much leave it 
to do what it needs to do. And obviously, they don't even have to participate in the voting if they don't want to. Um, part of the whole monthly given system is that you can use um, Facebook to do the voting. Um, so could could you tell us a little bit about that? So every month, you know, how do you curate the the like the topic or who needs it yeah. most. And then I know that a few times a year you have like, um, you know, when there's a, a horrendous, like a uh, national, uh, like a natural disaster. Yeah. Well, we call those kind of, they're, they're you would class those as like special events. Um, it's an emergency situation where we change where we're going to be giving the money. Um, obviously, we always put it to the, the members, the guys that are given the money for their votes, and they can decide on whether they want to continue with the current vote or give to an emergency fund. And we, we actually call it a global event, and we label those on the site. So obviously, we document all of the donations and all of the charities that we give to. Um, and all the global events are the items that are starred. So in the past, that we've had fundraisers done for the Rohingya Myanmar refugee crisis. We've had uh, Guatemala volcano relief fund i mean there was some have loads throughout the year i mean it's very much dependent on the situation at the time i mean the some years you have quite a few i mean in, in uh, 2016 i think we had the most so we had an italian earthquake issue there was a child refugee appeal and ecuador earthquake uh, there was a humanitarian crisis in yemen and we all pretty much channeled the fundraising into those and again we give the charities, the um, sorry, the members, the the option to vote for different charities, and the way we choose it. I mean, we have a, a huge list of charities that members have put forward. Charities we found ourselves. We put them in a huge list, and we used to uh, give them based on a point system. So we give extra points for charities that were connected with Michael that Michael gave to in the past. We give give extra points if it's a child related charity because obviously that was an important subject for Michael. Um, and that was how we kind of worked out the ones to use. But the way I do it now is that we have we still have a list, but then I try and categorize them into certain themes. So for a homeless theme, we will narrow it down to three charities that are given to the homeless or have some sort of homeless connections. And the other three charities we put to the members via the Facebook page that can actually vote. So every month um, they get a notification that the vote's ready to go. And then they see the three charities with links through to the charities. They can have a look, see what the charity does and decide for themselves where they feel that the money should go to. And then the charity with the most votes at the end of the month is the one that gets chosen. Um, and even the voting system has evolved now to a point where we've got it to a place that just makes it easier. And this year, obviously, it will be coming to an end this year. But throughout um, through January through to December this year, we've been working directly with the charities before the it's been announced so what we used to do before is we used to say right everyone we we voted and we're now going to be donating to this charity but the problem is if a global event happens it's not so easy to backtrack on that once you've gone public about it so now we kind of we do the, the voting like a month in advance now and then once we've chosen a charity at the end of the month they're the ones that we would give to but it also means right up until the end of the month we can decide to change our mind so let's say we put three charities forward and one ha has the most votes but then something happens before we've gone public we put it to the members and say this is an issue that's happened uh, do, should we postpone this one 
for a later date and then give to the global event or, you know, and normally the global event is gone for and that's how it kind of evolves with that. We're giving to mind this month and obviously we're, we're a day after. So by the time this goes out, we'll be into our next fundraiser for December. Um, and that fundraiser will be for, for the um, street, for street children. And I think the, the charity with the most votes for that month is Street Child. So that would be great to be doing a fundraiser for them. But yeah, so we, in terms of working with the charities, we basically get permission to use their logo. All of them have been great about it. I mean, that's something else that is brilliant to see. We tell them um, who we are. We've looked into registration. We're based in the UK. And I'm not sure if people are familiar with the way the UK works with charities is that we can register with the UK Charity Commission, but we need to obviously be earning a certain amount, you know, throughout the year to do that. And that's um, last time I checked was, was about £5,000 and we, we're racking up just over 3000 So once we hit the five, we will obviously be registering with them. We are recognised by um, HMRC in the UK for tax purposes. There's full donation processing links on, on our website. We document everything. And that's also another side of it that was really important to us was transparency. So for every time we make a donation, we go through the system, we screenshot, we upload everything, and we even do screenshots of the email confirmations and everything like that. So it's all you know, documented as much as we, we can possibly do, really. Very, um, very thoroughly, actually. I have looked at that on the website. So everything you can see is accounted for. I think it's important people know that, you know, you don't personally pocket any of this money. There's no one else except for the PayPal fees that pockets any of the money. It goes all everything except for the fees go directly to the charity. So no one indeed. else is getting anything out of this except for PayPal and the charity. Yeah, I mean, like I say, we're registered with um, HMRC for you, for tax purposes. And what that means is we're able to claim gift aid. So a lot of the time, obviously, these charities, there, there is money that needs to be spent on things in order to get things through. I mean, we've got domain names, we've got um, only a few, but we've got uh, various other bits and pieces. But Obviously, as a with a designer background, I rent my own server because I have my own sites on that, and we're hosting the site on that server, so there's no cost for, to the charity for that. Um, obviously, there's no design fees because I'm doing it all myself. Um, you know, we we keep the costs low, and even when there are costs um, like that, it will come out of the um, the gift aid that we are able to claim each year, which is a separate amount that we do at the end of each year for you people that have donated from the UK that are qualifying their taxpayers. So you know that that kind of helps keep you know pushing it i mean the only thing that we lack is time i mean this is something i've got a full-time job you know it's a literally a nine to six job and i just work in the evenings and weekends where i can to just keep pushing it along you know and it, it's worked out all these years and it just needs that little bit of a push and the mj cast have obviously helped immensely for that i mean when we when i started getting involved with you guys doing the charity updates i think we were on we're on 40, I can't remember what it was exactly now, but about 45 monthly donors that were on board. And now we'll see we've floated over the, the 50 mark. I'm sure that is because of the um, the impact the MJ cast shows are having. So that's great. And hopefully from the show, we get a bunch more signing up. I mean, like I say, there's only 50 people now, which is generating 266. So based on averages, add a zero onto that, you get 500 fans. And now you're, you've got 2,600 a month going to... A, a charity they vote for that's going to be changing a little bit more as well next year because we're going to be opening up the the beneficiary choice to personal appeals and that's something we you know we've always wanted to do 
But the idea was that we will do it when we get a lot more fans on board. But we think the time now is right to be able to enable that. And what that means is, apart from just charities that fans will be able to vote on, there will also be personal appeals that we've sourced from those personal appeal sites like GoFundMe or Fundly, where there's literally families needing money for operations for children and all of that sort of thing. You know, these are all things that are so, so much more personal than giving to a, a large corporate charity that have already been given millions of pounds. So obviously that's a good thing. We're able to contribute to their appeals, but to make it a, a more personal thing as well, I think will, will make such a difference. I know that um, Jamin and Elise, who are monthly donors, they've said how fun it is in the group where where they yeah. go and select the charity and then they discuss it. So they mm. really enjoy being monthly donors. And, and I hope that, you know, with the, your charity segments that we are inspiring people to support MJFFC. Uh, and then you also give updates on other Michael Jackson charities and also what the estate have now started finally doing, yeah. which is, you know, doing charity donations. You gave a terrific update in episode 91 about how Bubbles, who is living in, mm. is it the Great Ape Centre, is getting, you know, support from mm. the estate now, finally. So that's yeah. also great that we get to share that with people. Paul, have you got any questions that you would like to ask Stephen? No, I don't have any questions, but I can tell you right now I'll be signing up for my dollar a month um, straight after this because <laughs> what an amazing thing you're doing. It's, that's awesome, and it's so easy. Like a dollar it a month, so I pay easy. more for everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, Paul, I, I think that, you know, when your book starts filtering out throughout the world and people are sitting down and reading that and being reminded and maybe taught for the first time, about that side of Michael Jackson. I'm sure that will inspire people to go out and do a lot of things as well. Like, I think that's one thing that fans that have been aware of this side of Michael can all say is that we've seen how the fandom has been inspired. Like, I, I think we are all the kind of people that, you know, would like to, you know, stand up for peace and equality and a fair go for all and looking after the disadvantaged and the sick and animals and, you know, that's what Michael stood for and we've had that right from the start and we would have all been inspired by, you know, Michael's songs and, you know, the charity endeavours that he, that he got to do and various speeches so, Stephen, would you like to – is there a sort of something in particular that Michael did or sung or demonstrated that was like a huge inspiration for you or something that sticks in your mind? Well, I, I touched earlier that um, Earth Song was my favourite song and I think it's one of those things where it, it's so easy, again, to just be a passive Michael Jackson music listener and I think that's what I was for years and years and was – some people still are like that, but others kind of see through the message and uh, they're, they're Googling for the exact lyrics that he said and working out, you know, what the actual message is for all of these things. And then when you start looking back at various songs, you, you realise it goes quite far back into when he was really young. I mean, there was on the video, there's a video on YouTube. I think it's entitled A True 
humanitarian. I think it's one of the best videos that's up there. And it starts with um, Catherine and Joe obviously talking about Michael and how he wanted to help people. And that was back when he was like really young. You know, this is it, it goes. It started way back when. And um, it's, it's a great video to watch. I think it goes into Heal the World eventually. But, you know, that kind of um, rooted desire to help people is just reflected in, you know, his humanitarian songs. And there, there are so many of his songs that I think are worthy of that kind of message. I don't, I don't think there was a particular, apart from Michael's passing, there was no, nothing that particularly prodded me enough for me to say, right, this is what you're going to be doing now. You know, for, for pretty much the rest of your life until you're happy that it's doing what it's do, doing, how you want it to be done sort of thing. So, yeah, there wasn't any particular, you know, event per se as to, to why I got sort of into all of this, really. Well, we will be sure to include that link for that video. Please make sure you send it mm. into the show notes so other people can see that. And, Paul, how about yourself? Is there uh, an inspirational song or something Michael did or a speech that you've been inspired by or really sticks with you? Well, Man in the Mirror has always been the number one for me, um, especially since he passed. It's pretty hard to listen to that song without crying. But I also take a lot. I actually take a lot from it and I love watching. My kids love it too. I've got a, a couple of younger ones that love that song and I love that fact that, you know, these, the younger ones are getting into these songs that are 30 years old, 40, uh, yeah, old. And um, <laughs> speeches, there's a couple of really good ones in 2001 that MJ did. Uh, one was at Carnegie Hall and one was um, Oxford University. University. Yes. yes. And they're both amazing for me as a parent to hear what he's saying about the relationship between parents and kids and um, what we can do for our kids and with that relationship for the future generations and how that could change the world. The vision he had there, as per MJ always was, ahead of his time, and I think he just hits the, the nail on the head. And those two speeches in 2001, if uh, people are interested to look them up, they're amazing. There was also, I will, could I add something here, sorry? Um, Please. it wasn't. It wasn't something that kind of stuck out to me at the time, but as I'd been looking back on things, looking at the humanitarian side of him, there are, I'm not sure if it was on one that was mentioned, but the Exodus City speech, yes. it was, it's one of those things, it was the one where he gets everyone to hold hands and he, he gets them to tell them, tell each other that they, they love them and that. And it's just so, everyone's laughing. It's just, the, you know, that, that's the essence of what Michael Jackson was all about, really. He kind of united people you know, and got them to, you know, literally join hands, but, you know, to say, let's get on with each other. You know, this is what, this is how we change things. You know, I think that was, it was a short one. It's not as long as the um, Oxford University speech, I don't believe, but, you know, it's a great one still. So I, obviously I think fans should look that one up. That's the, I think it was the Exeter City Football Club. Is that right? Yeah, yes. that sounds right. Yes. And, and once again, he was doing these speeches, you know, back in the, the late 90s and early uh, 2000s mm. where with, the, with these ideas that are becoming apparent now to everybody else. And just, just like his videos and music and, and, and dancing, ahead of his time, his ideas were as well, I think, with mm. this, you know, just accepting of each other and loving and just the simpleness of goodness and seeing mm. that in each other and encouraging that seems to be more apparent now 
to a degree than what it was back then. And I just feel like, yeah, he, he was spot on. And I think we need it a lot more now. I mean, it, there's so many things happening now and you could say nothing's really changed. But I think in terms of the way the media are reporting things, like you said earlier, you know, it, it is all built around negativity, you know, and it's a shame. We need more positivity to sort of counterbalance it a bit. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, there's, yep. there's a lot of things going on around the world that are just amazing. Yep. You know, just it's all down to what you want to look for, really, if you if you want to look for the negativity, click on the stories that are so negative and go and consume that if you want to. But, you know, if you want to change your, your state of mind and, you know, be a bit more positive, then you're, you're clicking on the wrong things, unfortunately. And I think it's time to start sharing the, the positive and good things that have come out of Michael's presence here. Well, you certainly touched on my favourite speeches that uh, really have stuck with me that was the Oxford Union address. And I include the Carnegie Hall and the Exodus speech in like a bundle. The, all three of those, mm -hmm. they have very similar themes and they all are a little bit different and they all just make up such an inspiring package. And I'm shocked that you know, those speeches are not more famous, not even just amongst fans, but also amongst political circles and, you know, mm. family groups and things like that, because he really did touch on so many things, but they were such achievable and simple things. Mm. And, you know, without hope, we are lost. You were talking about hope before Paul and, as you were talking about it, Michael's words were just ringing in my head, you know, without hope we are lost. And that's what got people through so many things and helped improve the lives of so many is that hope that things can be better. And when you see people working towards that, you actually see that, yes, things can get better, but you actually just have to put those steps forward put that little bit of effort in, change your way of thinking and look at the actions in your life and then things can get better. Like, you know, man in the mirror, it, it, you got to look at yourself first and make that change. Something I also like, sorry, is that, um, you know, there are so many common songs that we all know about. So you've got man in the mirror, you've got earth song, heal the world, you know, you've got all of these songs that are like the obvious ones to go for you know the usual suspects but then you've also got the ones that are less of a, a thing I mean I, I particularly like Cry from Invincible a really good song for people to although it doesn't feature in in the video itself maybe that's a reason why it's less of a, a big deal but there's also stuff that's less of a commercial release um I think We've Had Enough is one of also my favorite songs and way up there with Earth Song you know in terms of you know what Michael's all about you know, and a lot of these songs didn't even make it onto a mainstream album. So, you know, I think they're important to be looked back on and listened to as well. I think Earth Song is just like the ultimate mm. for for changing the world. Like he really worked on that song for so many years. It came through, you know, a really slow evolution process. And then when he finally released it, it was such a grand song mm. that no one else was doing anything 
like that at all and mm. haven't really since that I can think of in such a scale. And and somehow it did top like the, the UK Christmas number one for I weeks about and to say weeks. That. Yeah, it was, UK, it was Christmas so number amazing. one. 95, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, 95. Um, like that's incredible that, you yeah, know, a song a non- with this message. Well, that's right, a non-Christmassy that song that was Christmas number one. I mean, that obviously says a lot. Mm. Um, and the, the reason I like that song as well is because he was working on it for so long. You know, for years, tweaked it, put it back on the shelf, got it back down again, tweaked it, put it back until it was ready. And I think it was very much ready, obviously, when it was released. And it's also a song that is named after something that isn't even mentioned in the song itself. You know, there's not many songs of Michael's that are like that. And I think that helps, um, you know, emphasise the fact that it was such a unique song you know to be listening to really well gents we're really going to have to wrap this up i feel like we've just started to scratch the (laughs) surface of this (laughs) there's you know so many tangents we could go on and so many doors we could open and go and explore Mm -hmm. and i think this is just the beginning and i really thank you both so much for for joining me for this quick discussion this quick taste these great songs that we've been able to play So once again, the book Humanitarian, The Real Michael Jackson by Paul Dwyer. You can go straight to humanitarianbook.com. Up until Christmas 2018, there will be a discount code you can use, M-J-C-A-S-T. Thank you so much for that little discount that you're giving listeners, Paul. I really appreciate that. Um, Stephen, do you want to let people know what website they can go to for Michael Jackson Fans for Charity and where yeah. they can find you on social media? So if they wanted to join up, um, it is just the one pound a month that they can do it with. And the website is mjffc.org. Uh, you can literally go there and just click the give you one pound and go for it. Um, the social network, you can find me at mjffc on most of the social networks really instagram twitter and, and facebook just look for the uh, seven pointed star or my face and um you'll find me and paul would you like to let people know where they can find uh various websites that you've spoken about the the australian website or facebook groups that you're a part of the australian facebook group i think is just uh, Michael Jackson Australia group and the Facebook group Michael Jackson Australia. I believe the Twitter is MJ. I don't know the Twitter. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Any socials for the book are through the book website. There's some great YouTube videos on there. Okay. So, so that's check out the website. Thehumanitarianbook.com. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, video, videos I can do. Books, books are not. not. There you go, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> videos and photos, please. Thank you. Well, head to our show notes and you'll find links for videos for Steve and for all of the listeners out there uh, and websites. A lot of them have pictures. I'd like to put a special thanks out there for Marie Plus, who is the professor of English at the Merrimack College uh, over in, I think it's Massachusetts, and I hope I got that state right, and also Dr. Sylvia Martin, who I hope maybe we can organise to have those ladies on the show in the future. They've done some amazing work written about Michael Jackson, uh, and that would be really cool. Uh, Steve, I think you said that you've got like a 
playlists, a public playlist. Yeah. yeah, I've had it on Spotify for a while. It should be public. I don't think I've accidentally made it private. But yeah, it's basically zoning in on Michael's positive songs, um, the ones that have kind of stuck out to me as being the ones that really you just have to listen to. And maybe there is a way to do an Apple music version for Jamin at some point in the future. Uh, we'll have to look at that. But yeah, so it'd be interesting. We, maybe we, if I can dig that out, we can chuck it in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Send us the link and we'll put it in the show notes. Well, if you are new, welcome to listening to the MJ Cast podcast. It's, we are a news and discussion podcast on Michael Jackson and the Jackson family. You can find us on social media with Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for the MJ Cast, or one word, and you will find us. We're over on YouTube. You can search for our channel there. Our website is themjcast.com. And you can find shows there, um, editorial opinion pieces and links for everything, including the show notes. So anything that we've discussed, maybe videos, books, links to music breaks that we've played, you'll find those on that website in the show notes. You can email us the mjcast at icloud.com and if you are listening on a podcast app the way that it should be listened to because we are a podcast after all you can find us pretty much on any podcast server like you know whatever you're using search for the mjcast Jamin has been experimenting time permitting with chapter markers. So hopefully that is something that will be able to be integrated. So check out, maybe this episode will have it, but search for us across, you know, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, uh, Podcast Republic, CastBox, Apple Podcasts and all of that. And you will find us there. The next episode will be our I guess season finale, big Christmas special episode, which we always look forward to bringing you each year. So you can look forward to that next. I'm going to say farewell to you both. And then, Stephen, I'm going to let you sign off and introduce our final song of the episode. So thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 92 of the MJ cast. I hope you've been inspired. I hope you want to go and look at more of this that Michael did and maybe try and help yourself because you can help. Every little thing that you do, little positive action does have a big impact. So for me, I'm going to say thank you for listening. And Paul, thank you for the book. And thank you for joining us on the show. This won't be the last time we get to chat with you, I'm sure. Cool. Thanks. You're most welcome. And Stephen, thank you for joining us today. And I will uh, I will say Michael on, and I'm going <laughs> to let you introduce the last song that we're going to play. Okay. So uh, the song, uh, first of all, thanks for inviting me on again. Um, it's great to be able to contribute. The song that's about to be played is a song uh, some UK fans might remember that back in the day there was a uh, an event uh, affecting James Bulger, which is um, – something that's also close to my heart. And it was also Michael's. He contributed to the family to help them through that time. And he also gave them the rights to um, use Heal the World. And they recorded their own version of that with their friends and family. Uh, there is a YouTube video up there. you to check that out. It's a great way that Michael used to contribute to things that were happening to everyday people. And that was his way of helping and... I hope, you know, there are many fans out there that 
feel the same way about this kind of thing and do whatever they can in their own way that they want to. It's been great to speak to you guys and keep making that change.
What's up, everybody? This is Judith Hill, and you're listening to The MJ Cast. I want to thank you guys for having me on because I've been listening to the MJ cast for so long and uh, I've loved it. Uh, it's kind of, it's, oh, I was going to say, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird to actually be talking while listening. <laughs> 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 there, there, there's, moments, there's moments where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is cool. I forgot that I was part oh, of this. Actually, I need to speak. <laughs> so more so just thanks to you guys. Mm. For not only having me, but for doing what you do. You're doing an awesome job. We're just, just, just like you guys. We're just fans, and people apparently want to listen to us waffle on for a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, One's but we're we're, um, we're happy that we've got this platform, this channel that people can tune into and be inspired by. But I think that you know, putting a book about this topic out, you know, it's probably one of the very first and. That's really special. So, yep, thanks. The MJ Cast.